This morning, our text of Scripture comes to us from the book of Colossians, the first chapter. We're working our way through Colossians in this sermon series that's begun since the first of the year. I invite you to listen for God's Word as it comes to us from the New Testament. Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation, for in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together. Gracious God, we come. We come to worship you, to hear your word. We ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart might be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You know, there's a difference between finding the center and trying to live in the middle. There's a difference between discovering what's central, what's integral, at the fulcrum of things, and simply avoiding the extremes on either side. One must find the center of things rather than the middle of things. Imagine for a moment an old wagon wheel or a bicycle wheel The circumference around the outer edge is where the rubber meets the road, as they say. But it depends upon the hub being truly the center and the spokes equal distance and equally capable of bearing the load. Our text today in Colossians is driving at the center of things, not the middle of things. This is an early hymn of the church that lifts up Christ as the center of all that is. Now, we have plenty of examples today of living in the middle rather than the center. Politically, whether you're to the right or to the left, you have to play to the base during the primaries. You have to take sometimes extreme positions to distinguish yourself from the field of candidates during the primaries. And then if you can actually win the nomination of the faithful in your camp, you have to move to the middle to win the general election. This is a simple political calculation. People like Bill Clinton were remarkably skilled at it. There's plenty of political analysis these days concerned with 
some of the candidates at the extremes, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, whether they've taken such extreme positions that they'll never be able to win the middle in the general election. In politics, you try to find the middle. In faith, you have to find the center. Economically, we live in this period when there are attacks these days on capitalism that's part of the mainstream critique. According to one recent poll, 50% of adults under 38 told the Harris Poll last year that they would prefer living in a socialist country. That outlook recurs in many more surveys and far surpasses figures from even the radical heydays of the 60s and 70s, according to the article. There's a divide in this country that apparently follows the contours of generational lines. This week in the paper, in an article by David Brooks, he described this in terms of class war, progressivism, battling against culture war, conservatism. And the successful politician may just be the one who can find the middle way through the extremes, but there's a difference between being in the middle and being in the center. Our text today argues for the center rather than the middle. Here's the Apostle Paul concerned with Jewish fundamentalism on one hand that has little place for Jesus and Greek intellectualism on the other that views Christ as only one of many important elements in the universe. If their worldview is not sufficiently centered in Jesus Christ so that he might have the first place in everything, Paul knows their worldviews will be unbalanced and lead to unbalanced living. At the time, two perspectives, pantheism on the one part in which God is seen in everything, all things incorporate God on the one hand, and then docetism on the other, which was this idea that Jesus wasn't really human, he only appeared human. Paul's arguing against both those extremes to find a new center. Life is a balancing act. Sometimes things get out of balance. When I go to the gym, I see trainers working with people to restore their strength and their flexibility, and they do it by having them balance on one leg and then the other. They're standing upon some kind of unstable device while they lift weights that support their own weight, often doing crunches or deep knee bends. Our bodies just have a way of getting out of balance and need to be found back in balance. There's a mind, body, and spirit balancing act in order to achieve a certain level of well-being in life. And I, I know plenty of people that are attentive to two of those areas, but few that are attentive to all three. We also have to contend with another trilogy, 
the past, the present, the future. Some have unresolved conflicts in their past that keep screwing up their present lives. Others are so anxious about the future that it robs them of any present joy immobilized by what they fear. How does one hold it together? And can faith help us find any balance in our life? This text today proclaims Jesus Christ is the adhesive that holds life together. He's the fulcrum. He's a still point in a turning world where our lives find integration and balance. The language of this text is completely expansive and poetic. Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. In fact, the claim that's being made here is that the entire universe is held together through him. It's remarkably lofty language of exaltation. And this Christ is the head of the church, which is also held together by and for him. So there are two ways to check whether your religion is self-made or authentic. Whether you're authentically worshiping the living God or some image of yourself. The first question that you have to ask yourself is, what is the role of Christ in my belief in my worldview. And the second is this Does your faith usher in, manifest itself in better living? You've got to get concrete here. Paul does. Does your faith reconcile anything in your life? It should, according to the New Testament. It should lead to some kind of behavioral change that looks more like what faithful humankind should look like. Christ, the visible expression of the invisible God. See, the problem for the Colossians was not that their faith and lives had not gotten off the ground, but rather than focusing upon the sufficiency of Christ, they were all tied up in knots over rules and regulations, all sorts of ascetic practices that made them look religious, but actually undermined their faith. They didn't fully comprehend or appreciate who Jesus Christ is and what that means for human life. In the language of the theologians, their Christology was lacking, insufficient. How could you tell? They were worried about their religion. They were twisted up with do's and don'ts, uncertain about their lives and their future, easily influenced by any speaker that came to town with some new self-improvement program. I suspect... Since it's the first of the year, more than a few of us are on some kind of a self-improvement program. This ancient hymn of the church proclaims that this is no man-made religion. 
This is no idolatry. Thanks to Jesus Christ, we are free from both bad religion and fake religion. The most important thing to get straight is your Christology. Who is Christ in your worldview? Later in the same book, the apostle will write, why do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. All these regulations refer to things that perish with use. They're simply human commands and teachings. There's a kind of religion that looks very serious and demanding, but actually produces very little. And it's characterized by self-imposed restraints and pietistic rules with little of the freedom that Christ intends for us. And the key to balancing your life is to have Christ at the fulcrum, at the hub, at the center. Several decades ago, Basil Mitchell used an illustration in a speech at Yale University on the what he described as the end of the modern world. The occasion was the the Nathaniel Taylor lectures. He described Christians and Christian thought as kind of a barge going down this river. And on the one side of the river are the shoals, which represent some of the most serious intellectual barriers to Christian belief in our modern time. To avoid these shoals, some have jettisoned some of the cargo, some of our Christian claims to lighten the barge so it can safely go over the shoals. This is the liberal side of things. They've gotten rid of lots of traditional claims of Christian faith in order to become modern. They don't want to talk so much about God as a creator-redeemer in Christ. I once heard it put this way, we need a theocentric Christology rather than a Christocentric theology. Even the claims that Christ was resurrected sometimes get jettisoned. On the other hand, some have pulled the barge all the way to the right shoreline. These are the conservatives hoping to avoid the shoals by just going pre-modern. They reject knowledge from other sources and disciplines. They love to read the Christian writers of the 19th century. They reject even scientific insights regarding the world from the 20th century. They deny that Darwin actually discovered anything worth knowing. That sort of fundamentalism runs rampant in all three monotheistic faiths. What Paul is arguing for here is an alternative. A new way of understanding and living out the claims of Christian faith. Simplistic explanations for complex realities are not sufficient. And nor are the polarizations that we see in culture and in the church. Christian communities have never been defined and must never be defined in terms of blue states and red states. We have to allow the richness and the fullness and the wealth of faith in Jesus Christ to reduce our political ideologies on the left and the right. 
Can Christians live together in this world in such a way that others around them find it compelling? Can we transcend our own differences and live in unity with a sense of purpose and a sense of passion that offers a true alternative to a weary world? That's finding the center, not the middle. Our worldviews need to be centered in Christ. He's before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Martin Marty, the church historian from the University of Chicago, says a worldview is the mental furnished apartment in which one lives. Jack Rogers, back in 1995, wrote a book entitled Finding the Center, I believe was the title. And he writes, Our culture teaches us the worldview by which we respond to reality. Humans are in culture as fish are in water. We may critique it, but we cannot escape it. Normally, culture provides the unconsciously accepted worldview glasses through which we view our environment. He argues that faith in Christ alters our cultural worldview by placing Jesus Christ at the center, not just of our worldview, but of the universe. Now, in my judgment, this was the brilliance of Martin Luther King Jr. He began with a belief in God made known to us in Jesus Christ, and he argued for a different way of living with one another that he called the beloved community rather than living against one another. He called all people to a higher order of things and to a better way where people are truly treated as equals with certain inalienable rights. The twin pillars of the civil rights movement that was founded by Dr. King were religious faith. I did it again, didn't I? Let there be light. The twin pillars of the civil rights movement under the direction of Dr. King were religious faith and a strong belief in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States of America. It was a call to our better selves to become what we claimed to be, to judge one another by the content of our character and not the color of our skin. And today, by contrast, I fear that we are in a race to the lowest common denominator. Rather than building up, we're tearing down individuals and institutions. And we do so at our own peril. There may be a third way, 
a way between fundamentalism and progressivism, between class war and culture war, between religion and philosophy, and it's the way of Christ. Using the most expansive language imaginable, Christ is described as the center of it all. Our lives, our worldviews, our universe. There's a difference between finding the center and trying to live in the middle. For in him, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him, God was pleased to reconcile all things, whether on earth or in heaven. We could use a little reconciliation these days. Thanks be to God. Amen.